Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I'm not perfect or nobody asked for perfection or God never wanted me to be perfect. There was only one person who was perfect and we put him on a cross. If you've ever heard those statements or those uh, words, I guess, um, then today's broadcast is really about that. So if God never expected us to be perfect, which I believe is true, by the way. Um, I don't think God expected us to be perfect. I don't think he asked us to try and reach for perfection, maybe to be better than we were the day before. But um, I think that what he's really asking us to do is to try and be better than we were the day before. Because really, every day is a do-over day, and every day is like uh, a new beginning. You know, his word says that the uh, his grace and mercy are like uh, the rising of the sun. It's renewed every day. Um, if that's the case, then, you know, when Jesus died on the cross for us and we accepted his personal gift of salvation, then we are forgiven for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. Now, I've argued this with a lot of people, and they say, well, does that give you the, the right to sin as much as you want? Well, yeah, it really does, but do you want to? You know, The difference between those who have accepted Christ's personal uh, gift of salvation and those who have rejected it, in my opinion, is those of us who have accepted it realize that when we do sin— we have the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And he kind of tells us in his own way, he communicates to us that we have done something wrong, that we've missed the mark. And, um, you know, the Bible puts it uh, in, a, in a way that we can kind of understand it, talks about arrows hitting their mark. And when an arrow hits its mark or when it misses its mark, it's called sin. And um, that's where we get the word sin from. And um, so when we miss the mark, so to speak, say, for instance, you know, you got up this morning, you you were doing really well and you, you know, you maybe you had your prayer time. Maybe you had some uh, some praise and worship time, whatever it is that you do. Maybe you didn't have anything at all, but maybe you just thought to yourself, hey, today's a good day. I'm going to I'm going to do really well. You get out in traffic. Somebody pulls in front of you before you realize it. You have cursed that person or you've thought something evil like, you know, uh, we all do. Um Again, nobody's perfect. And so when we, when we do something like that, or say, for instance, it's, it's something different, you know, um, and, you, and you, you know, you're trying not to look at pornography, uh, but you do. And then you feel badly about it. You feel the shame. And that shame comes from the spirit that lives within you. And it's not, it's not um, beating you over the head with the Bible. It's, it's basically whispering in your ear, hey, you missed the mark. You know, um, try to do better, you know, um, and I believe that's the way every day is, is that every day is a way for us to to do something better that we may have screwed up or messed up this day. Um, tomorrow's a new day. Doesn't mean we, we have to kind of throw this day away and just say, well, the whole day screwed. I might as well, you know, uh, do all these things and continue to, to sin and do all these things because I just don't think we're going to enjoy it. First of all, I know that when I do things and I know are wrong. And I hear that spirit within me tell me, you know, you shouldn't do that. Um, even when I'm thinking of doing it, you know, I hear the spirit say, yeah, don't do it. It's, it's you know, you're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be 
something that you're going to be able to enjoy afterwards because I don't really want you to do that for whatever reason, whatever it is, whatever the sin is, it, it doesn't separate me from God. There's nothing that can separate me from God ever. I hear people say that, well, sin separates you from God. Well, if you're a child of God, you're not separated from him. What you feel is that shame from within. That is a righteous shame that tells you, hey, I messed up. Um, I'm sorry. You know, and it's not even that you need to ask forgiveness for it. It's good that you do, because what it does is it shows you and the spirit that lives within you, which is God, the Holy Spirit, uh, that, you know what, I recognize I messed up. I I recognize that I screwed up and now I'm going to make things right again and I'm going to get back on the path. You know, it's kind of like being on an interstate and you get off the exit, you know, the exit is sin and you get off in that exit. And you, you, you know, you realize, well, I probably shouldn't have got off here and you get back on the interstate. You're back on your road. You're back on that path. Every day is a path. Every day is a journey. And um, each day we live, we get an opportunity to get it right. We get an opportunity to, to be better than we were the day before. And, and you know, some days we, we are successful at it. Some days I'm successful at it. Some days I really suck at it. And some days I, I just, I plummet into sin. And so, Every day is a do-over day. So today is your do-over day. If you did something wrong this morning, if you did something that you that caused you to say miss the mark, okay. If you did something like that, then and you're a child of God, you're a believer, you've accepted His personal gift of salvation. Then you are a believer, you're a child of God. He is. He's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. He's not. You know. Uh, you know. He's not waiting with a bolt of lightning to to, to strike you in, in your in your far reaches. He's really just saying, you know, hey, recognize you messed up and then get back on the road again. You know, get back on, get, get back on the interstate, you know, get back on the path that I have you. Because what it does is when you when you sin like that and when you do things as a believer, now I'm just speaking in terms of as a believer only. OK, I'm not talking about those who are lost and who don't have the gift of salvation, who reject it. I'm talking about those who have accepted it, those of us who are believers and call ourselves Christians. And, and, and children of God, we, we will not be able to enjoy the sin that we're in. Now, I've heard people say before, well, you know, well, so-and-so's uh, doing this, he's doing that. And, you know, he used to go to church and he used to pray and he used to be this, he used to be that. And well, I guess he was never really saved. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of pompous for anyone to say, I think personally, um, you don't know someone's heart. In fact, the word says that only God knows the heart of man. And so if that's true and only God knows the heart of man, then how can you know if someone's heart was to, you know, say the words and just simply say, well, I'm saved. I don't have anything to worry about now. I can do whatever I want to do. Well, that's not true either. Nobody really believes. I've never actually ran into anyone in all of my years. I've never run into anyone who said, hey, I got saved so I could do whatever I wanted to do. And now I've got this get out of hell free card and I'm good to go. And I don't, I don't really have to worry. I can. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to heaven. Well, you know, I've never met anybody who actually said that. Never, never, not in all of my travels. Now, are there people out there like that? I'm probably, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who would say things like that. But you know what? It's not for me to decide if they're saved or they're not saved. You know, and, and the thing is, is this. When we become a believer, when we Christians do something wrong and we and we continue to do that thing where like a besetting sin. I've heard that before. There's a besetting sin, you know, and, and I've heard it explained and I, this may be wrong, but this is what I've heard. Um, it's where, you know, it's like, say, for instance, pornography. Pornography is very addictive. Um, it's a billion dollar industry for a reason. People are always looking at pornography. 
Um, there are people that, you know, even Christians, even pastors, even, you know, people who, who, um, who are preaching against it, you know, are, are looking at it. You know, it's a, it's a dangerous, slippery slope. And because we go there and we watch it and it, and it brings us fulfillment, uh, a momentary fulfillment, then we, you know, we, we feel like we're, we're stuck in it, you know, because our brain has gotten used to that, uh, that feeling of, you know, whatever it is that brings us the joy that we want through that. And it's hard to quit. You know, you say, gosh, I want to quit. I, I talked to a guy one time and he said, you know, I just can't stop looking at pornography. I'm addicted to it, you know, and I believe that, you know, there are people addicted to drugs. There's people addicted to alcohol. There's people addicted to sex and there's people, you know, who are uh, uh, addicted to other things, you know, um, pornography is one of those things that, that it, it fires the brain up in ways that, um, you know, um, other things don't, you know, you can't go, uh, you know, drink a beer and, and get the same feeling from it as the, the pornography that opens and excites the brain. And it's, it's because God made us that way as men, you know, I can't speak from a woman's perspective. I'm not a woman, never have been, never will be. Okay but I can speak from a man's perspective. And so when that, that part of us is waked up, it's just like a drug. You know, um, I was a nurse for 22 years and, and I've, I've spoken to many, many drug addicts. And, uh, you know, they would say that when they took that drug, when they, when they had that, you know, Oxycontin or that uh, Tylenol three with codeine or whatever the drug was, they would just, they would feel this, this incredible, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, euphoria. And then they would they would just want that over and over again because their brain was so used to that. And their brain told them, look, you want that. You want that. So whether it's pornography or drugs or alcohol or sex or or anything else. OK, it is it is it is something that will prevent us from staying on the path that God wants us on. OK, think of it as the road again. We're on the interstate. We get off the exit. You know, there's flashing neon sign, you know, and it's it's whatever whatever your addiction is it's flashing and you know asking it's 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 begging you get off this exit get off this exit take this you know this uh this drug or this alcohol or this sex or this pornography or whatever it is you know get off the get off the interstate when you get off the interstate you've gotten off their path you've gotten off your path it doesn't mean that you're not saved anymore it doesn't mean that whatever you do on that exit that's it's going to send you to hell it's not you know once you're a child of god once you're saved and you accepted the free gift of salvation you are going to heaven no matter what um, there's not going to be punishment for you because Jesus stood in your, in your punishment. Now I hear people say, oh, well, no, brother, that's not true. That's not true. Well, it is true according to the word because sin is sin. Now, yes, God hates certain sins, but sin is sin. And, you know, sin separates us from the Father. Well, as a Christian, we can't be separated from God. No matter what we do, we can't be separated. We will always be with him. And if we get off on that exit, remember this. When we get off the exit to, to, to do that thing that we want to do, we take him with us. Okay, we take him with us off the exit to do these things. So he is with us. We don't separate from him. Uh, and that's the spirit of God telling us, you know, that's not the path that I have for you. You've gotten off the you've gotten off your path, you've gotten off your journey, get back on the interstate, you know, get back on your journey. So if you've messed up today and you've gotten off the wrong exit, you know, um, then just get back on the interstate. It's just that simple. Just, you know, um, get back on the interstate. And and part of that. And, and of course, you know, I, I say that, uh, you know, from a from a standpoint of, of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's it's not to be taken literally, I should say, uh, figuratively speaking. It's it's a word picture getting off the interstate and getting back on the interstate. But within us, as we 
as we acknowledge what we've done, it's not that God says, you've got to ask forgiveness for that sin or I won't forgive you. No, no, no. He's already forgiven you. I hear people say that all the time. Well, you've got to ask forgiveness for sins or you're going to, you know, God won't forgive. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. Okay. Um, God forgave me. God covers me with the blood of Jesus when I, when I accepted him. I'm covered. I'm done. But inside of me lives the Holy Spirit. And when I go and do things and I say things and I act out things and I watch things and I participate in things, I do things that keeps me off the interstate, keeps me off my path. Then, you know, the, the Holy Spirit lives within me that I've taken off the path with me says, hey, you can't do that. We need to get back on the road. Kind of like Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio. You know, he's, he's the conscience, you know. So don't beat yourself up about it. And, and don't, don't feel like you're the worst thing in the world because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Just every day is a do-over day. Every day is a day to get it right. Say yesterday you, you decided when you got up, you know, I'm not going to do this thing that I always do every day. And I'm, I, I'm just, I feel horrible about it. I feel terrible. I'm living in the shame. The devil brings shame upon you. I will just tell you that, okay? Repentance is through the Holy Spirit. Earlier I said shame. I really mean shame is brought on by Satan, by the enemy. The enemy comes and he shames you into feeling badly about what you've done. The Holy Spirit says, you know, I'm, it's repentance. And he brings you to this part of repentance, this place of repentance. And it's not that you have to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did and he'll forgive you. It's like a magic word. No, it's not that at all. It's simply recognizing I got off the interstate. I got off this exit. I'm going to get back on. And, um, you know, you keep going. It's behind you. It, whatever you did, that exit is behind you. You can't get to that exit again. Will there be other exits? Absolutely. There's always exits off the interstate. And there's always something that's calling you to do this. But don't feel defeated because you did something wrong. Because the word also says that in our weakness, Jesus is made strong. Now, what does that mean? I've often wondered what that means. And, I, and I've done some research on it. And I've, and I've asked the Holy Spirit. And I believe that what it means is that through our weakness, Jesus is shown strong. Because in my weakness of when I do things that I shouldn't do, that take me off the interstate. When I get off these exits, in that weakness of me getting off the exit, Jesus says, you know what? I've covered you. My blood has covered you. And that makes that makes me strong. And it shows the strength of Jesus through me that the enemy can only come and shame me. That's it. He can't take me to hell. He can't separate me from God because I'm always going to be with God from there on out. It's like, you know, if you think about it this way, it's like your children. If you have children, um, you know, or you're the child of someone, obviously, but if you have your own children, you can kind of see the perspective a little clearer. Then, you know, it's like if your kids do something wrong, does, does that mean you they're no longer your children? No, of course not. No matter how bad they do, no matter what the thing that is that they do, you know, you're still going to be their parent. They're still going to be your child no matter what. Now, are you disappointed in them? Sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, what parent would not be disappointed in the child when they do something they shouldn't do that brings grief or, or reproach or, or pain or whatever it is upon them and their family? Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a parent saying, I'm ashamed of my child or I'm disappointed in my child, but it doesn't make them not your child anymore. You're always still going to love them. Same with God. God is always still going to love us. He's, we're always going to be his children. Um, this body is, is, um, is sinful. It's part of a sinful nature, uh, because sin entered the world through one man, then all mankind have sin. And, you know, we have to, that's what separates us from God is sin, you know? And when Jesus comes in and, and we accept his personal gift of salvation, then all of our sin is covered. So there's no sin that can separate us anymore. In fact, the Bible says that we were once sinners, but now we're saints. Okay, so we can't go from being a sinner and a saint, sinner and a saint, sinner and a saint, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, 
It just, it, it doesn't work like that. That's not the way it works. So today you messed up, you made a mistake, move on. Don't look behind you. Don't go. The, the, the enemy is going to tell you, oh, you're so shameful. You're terrible. You're horrible. You know, um, you shouldn't do that anymore. Or, or you know what? You, you did that and, and God hates you or God's not, you know, he's, you're lost and you're dying and you're going to hell. There are a lot of churches. There are a lot of religions. There are a lot of uh, different religions within the Christian, within the Christian faith that'll preach that if you sin, that you are in, in, you, you are, you are teetering uh, on, on hellfire and you're going to hell until you ask forgiveness for it. And they'll preach that and they'll teach that. And it terrifies people. And so, you know, I don't think that's what God intended. I never believed that that was what God intended. You know, if I want you to be my friend, okay. And I'm not saying Jesus wants you to be his friend. He wants you to be your, his child. But if I wanted you to be my friend and I said, listen, if you're not my friend, I'm going to take you out back and I'm going to whip you and I'm going to beat you up until you decide to be my friend. And if you ever decide you don't want to be my friend, I'm going to take you out back and I'm going to whip you again. I'm going to beat you up. You know, what kind of friendship would that be? What kind of friend would I be? What kind of friend would you be if I forced you to be my friend unless, you know, you did what I told you to do and be my friend? I'm going to beat you up and, and abuse you and, and mistreat you. What kind of friendship would that be? Jesus is not that way. Jesus, God is not that way, you know. Uh, but there are a lot of churches who teach that, and and it's and it really it's it's a scary uh, practice and model, and I I really despise it because it causes a lot of people grief. Years ago, when I was praying, and the Lord was talking to me about some things, and and I was going on and on about how sorry I was that I did this or that, and you know it was it was one of those besetting things, and um. I just couldn't seem to kick it. I couldn't seem to stop. And it was something that was just, you know, causing me shame. And, and the, the enemy I was giving him, I was giving him fodder for me and he was causing me a lot of shame. And, and, uh, I just, I was just praying and just asking the Lord to forgive me. And he said, Dan, I've already forgiven you. I've already forgiven you. You're already forgiven. And, um, I said, well, I don't feel like I'm forgiven. He goes, well, well what is it that you need to feel like you're forgiven? I said, I really don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, and he said, this is a teaching that you have believed from when you were a child and when you were a young adult. And that's just not who I am. I've forgiven you already. You're already forgiven. You were forgiven the day you came into my family, the day you came into, into being my son. You know, I forgave you. You were forgiven for past sins, present sins, even future sins. You were forgiven. And I remember thinking about that and how the Spirit just really ministered to me. And he said, listen, don't worry about the things that you've done wrong. You've already been forgiven for those things. Just live the life that I've given you and, and walk the path that I've given you because you're, you're spending so much time asking me to forgive you for something that I've already forgiven you for that you're wasting a lot of time that, you know, you could be doing other things and enjoying the life that I've given you. I'm giving you this life for, for enjoyment. I want you to enjoy it. And so I remember that changed me. That changed me a lot. And it changed the way that I thought about things and changed the way that I considered myself and, and how I would would go about my days. And, and it really helped me when, when I would screw up and do something, I'd just say, yep, yep, made a mistake. I'm going to move on, you know, and that's just the way it has to be. And so I want to encourage you today. If you've, if you've been in a situation where you, you have a sin that, that is causing you to feel shame from the enemy and, and that you feel like, you know, you're not worthy. And, and, you know, let me remind you, first of all, that there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. There's nothing you can say to earn your salvation. There's nothing you can do to maintain your salvation. Because if it were up to you and I, Jesus would have never come down here and died on the cross. He came down and died for us because we could not do it on our own. So he knew that. He knew we couldn't do it on our own. 
He knew that. And that's why he came and died for us. And so he came down to die for us. So he, it, was, it was one and done. It was done. It was over. He, he did what he had to do and, and we're done. We're, there's nothing else left to do. There's nothing else left for salvation except for you to accept it because Jesus knew we were incapable of it. So he took over and, and did it himself. So if there's nothing you could have done to get salvation, then there's certainly nothing you can do to maintain salvation. Salvation is a gift. You've been given it. You can't give it back. It's a non-returnable gift that you have to take once you accept it. So don't beat yourself up. Live life victoriously through the knowledge that through your weakness, Jesus is made strong through his example of dying on the cross and the blood that he's covered you with and you are forgiven. You were forgiven. You are forgiven and you will be forgiven and you're always his child. So I hope this helps somebody out there and I I hope that you find some encouragement in this. And um, if it's something you like, pass it on, share it with somebody else. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. God bless you.